starting in verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. So, pretty harsh. You're dull of hearing. You're dumb. That's what he's saying. Yeah, let's finish it here too. We oh, have just got one oh, more. Did you go to Did you go to fourteen? Uh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So this was a weird sermon. This is how you <laughs> described it. You were like, "That's hey, exactly how I just how I introduced it." This is going to be a weird sermon. It's going to be difficult. And then you told us all we were dull of hearing. And exactly, it felt felt so good. <laughs> yeah, this is. I I would imagine it was for for you too to like have to like organize questions as you were hearing it. That was. It must be oh, tough. The, the sermon. Yeah. You know, honestly, I don't actually come up with questions. As oh, well. okay. I, I just take notes and then I come up with questions oh. right off the top of my head. Here right on. I look okay. at the notes. Nice. You know, because it's, it, it, I don't know, more, less, less, you know, less work. It's, I, I want, it's more, I just want it to be like a flow. Oh, know? yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be scripted. Yeah. You know, because then, because then, then I'm like, then I'm like, you dedic- I don't want to dedicate myself because, like, if you say something, then I'm like, I want to ask another question on that, another yeah. question on that, another yeah, question on that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like our conversation, yeah. not a. So instead, script. I just take notes and then I go through here and I'm like, what did he say that was really, really crazy? And I can ask him about that. Yes. There's a <laughs> few things in there in this one. Yeah, you do that quite often. No one's <laughs> up there saying crazy <laughs> stuff. So you started off you know you kind of went back and you talked about uh romans 12 1 and 2 mm-hmm. like just kind of like recap that in the sermon and whatnot and i don't really want to focus on all of that uh too much but uh you did mention uh you're talking about how to like so how do we be the type of person to know the will of god and mm-hmm. then follow through with that mm-hmm. so and really what my question is, though, is going to be, how do I know I'm the type of person mm-hmm. to know the will of God and follow through with it? Because mm-hmm. when I when I think of this, in my mind, it's like, okay, so I, it goes back to like, oh, I'm a good person, right? Mm-hmm. Which none of, our, none of us are good people. Mm-hmm. We're all horrible. Uh, but like, oh, I do good things, and I, you know, I'm not a total heathen, in my opinion. Somebody else might have a different opinion. I'm sure they do. But how do you really, how do you gauge that? How do you weigh that? And how do you proceed from there? Yeah. So I really think that's what Hebrews 5 really is about. Is like, because he ends it and says, uh, you know, you basically are practiced in distinguishing good from evil. And 
the ability to understand basically how God works through his word and to be able to gain strength and energy from his word, from, uh, you know, from his presence, his kingdom would be someone who understands what it means to, uh, know, to know and do the will of God. So, um, and that's a process, right? Because, uh, you know, Jesus had to go through that same process and, you know, so know the will of God, reconcile it with what it is you want and have to surrender what it is you want often, then embrace it and obey it. And that whole process is something that, uh, is something that the writer of Hebrews talks about is it takes practice, you know, and so something that is a process. So real quick, when the writer of Hebrews is talking about, uh, I'm going to just in verse 7 here, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Is this referring specifically to the time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and was asking God, you know, let this cup pass from me, but if not... Uh, not my will, but your will be done. Is this a specific reference to that, do you think? Uh, I don't think it has uh, just that, the end of his life. I think it's I think it's a lot of his life. Um, I think this is a lot of what he's actually doing when he is going away and praying, you know, in his ministry. Uh, this is probably a lot what's happening in his prayer time, I would assume. Um, and... Uh, you know, especially as he becomes aware of, um, or maybe not just aware, but the closer his death gets, uh, what it actually is going to mean for him, you know. And so, you, you know, you see him start talking about his death with the disciples. They don't get it. Um, but then you see him go on the mountain transfiguration where Moses and Elijah show up to talk to him about his death, which I think is a way to encourage Jesus, actually, um, about what's coming up. So, and I think Jesus is coming more and more to the realization of, you know, what exactly it is to mean to the Lamb, being the Lamb of God. And uh, I think that's, I think it's really, at least that's my guess of what it, what it's speaking of. And so this is a... Which would include Gethsemane, for sure. But yeah. not just be. So this is a this is a build up then. This is a this is a a thing that Jesus put into practice throughout his human life. Yeah. Uh, not just at one point in his life for something big that's about to happen, but rather from the very beginning, really uh of I mean, I guess you could go all the way back probably his entire life, not just when he started his ministry. Mm-hmm. Right. So even back when he was a kid, you know, embarrassing his, his mother. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph. Yeah. Maybe so. You know, he's, he's hiding and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Not hiding. I shouldn't say hiding. He was at the temple. Right. Learning and teaching. So this goes all the way back to, uh, just his entire life as, uh, learning as he's, is he, I guess that's the weird thing. Like he's not, he's not being sanctified though. Like we are, uh, he is in a way. Um, so, Remember, to be made holy, we, okay, so we talked about this a little bit last week, and um, and this is really truly what's so fascinating about holiness. You know, for us in, a, in the United States, it's so hard for us to not think, is to think holiness is not some sort of moral quality, 
Now, it includes a moral quality, like, you know, but um, Jesus, but also it, holiness is just an otherness. Um, and probably an otherness um, that includes an idea of like full sufficiency in and of itself, because it has life within itself. So, um, so yeah, so, so Jesus certainly does not need to be sanctified from a moral point of view or obedience from to the law of God, but he does need to be made holy, um, and which is like would basically fully set apart for God, uh, full surrender, which is really what he's talking about here, right? Like, um, he has to learn obedience, that full surrender through what he suffers. Sanctification isn't just a moral thing, then. It's Correct. Just a, Absolutely. Just a turning you from being the heathen that you are into, yes. <laughs> into something that's holy. It's it, it can also be, as in we see the case with Jesus, that uh, he's he's being made holy just from I, I, from his humanly form, I guess, because mm-hmm. uh, obviously he's never sinned. Yes, he's never sinned, and um, and but he is also, you know, being made perfect is really what the 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 writer of the Hebrews uses, and that would be sort of that perfect surrender that someone fully um, doing the will of God, uh, you know, and so, um, but you know, certainly Jesus had desires that he had to surrender to the will of God that didn't conform to the will of God. And there's nothing sinful about that, right? When in Gethsemane, he, he says, you know, may this cup pass from me, right? His yeah. desire was not have to go, uh, have to deal with what he had to deal with, the cup, right? Um, but he knew that's what the will of God was, and so he surrendered to it. So, so Jesus had desires that didn't line up with the will of God, that weren't sinful, but he surrendered those desires to God, right? Which is uh, partially, is a lot of what it means to be made perfect and holy uh, and have all sufficiency, you know, as well. Because he's given, he's certainly abandoning himself to, to God, trusting in God, knowing that he's going to, God hears him, who can save him. He, he's the one who can save him from death. It's so weird to think about how Jesus had a desire to avoid death, mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately he knows like he's not, this isn't a surprise to him. The, the end result isn't a surprise to him. It's not like he rose from the dead and was like, Oh man, it worked. Oh, yes, thank God. <laughs> thank goodness this will work. Got through that one. You know, that's yeah. not what happened. Right. But for him to still have a desire to avoid death in the same way that we do really shows his humanity in its fullness. That's right. And that's crazy to yes. really think about that because he didn't like rise from the dead and be like, guys, you're never going to believe this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You know, he's like, <laughs> he's like, yes, this is exactly how I planned it. Yeah. exactly how it's supposed yeah. to go. Uh, and, it, you know, I guess that can be said true, you know, for a lot of minor things for us. I mean, there are things that I do even, you know, at work where I know I know exactly what I'm about to do, you know, like, especially, I mean, like, take like, like, an, like, I have like a few changes I'm going to be doing on the network or something. And I know like the four commands that I've planned out are going to do exactly what I want them to do. But still it's like, I'm like, Oh man, you know, like I hope nothing goes wrong. You know, yeah. I'm still nervous about yeah, doing sure, it. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's a good illustration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but obviously I'm nervous in a different way. Cause I'm like, something could go wrong. Jesus doesn't expect something to go wrong. Mm-hmm. But rather he just has a desire to avoid death the way that we do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's crazy to me. 
uh, that that really throws me off, you know. Yeah, it's a you know, we really miss a lot for our own lives when we think of Jesus as doing things like what he does because he's God. Um, we really miss out a lot then on what is um, really available for us for our own life if we think of Jesus that way. He is the Son of God, but he laid all of that down. Jesus is doing things and everything he does. He does as a man, fully full of the Holy Spirit. And so... <clears throat> When you were going through all this and what we're talking about uh, with with Jesus talking to God, being in prayer uh, about all of these things and, and this sanctification process here where, I mean, he's like, it's weird because he's he's morally perfect and he's being made holy, which, you know, it's just mind-blowing already as it is. But he... Uh, learned obedience through suffering, as mm-hmm. it says in Hebrews there, and you talked about in the sermon, and that's also how we learn obedience mm-hmm. through suffering. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is, like, when we suffer, well, okay, here's, let me back up. All, not all suffering is us learning obedience, though, is it? Uh, would you say yes? I, th- I think so. I think it all has that result eventually. You know, any one suffering maybe you can point to. Um, it's hard maybe to connect the dots. But when you suffer, like truly suffer, and you suffer in Christ, you know, um, especially as you bring your suffering into, like, and you, in, and it, eventually too, if you get to a place where you, you like embrace it, you just, you're actually knowing because I'm in Christ, I'm suffering because I'm being brought into the, or I'm making up for the lack of suffering, or the for the sufferings of Christ, you know, in this instance. So just as Jesus suffered, I'm suffering now too, in you know, as you know, in the name of Jesus. That stuff is the thing that like teaches us, and brings us to the all sufficiency of God, in our life, um, and for a Christian, all suffering does that. For a Christian. For a Christian, yeah. So if you're not a Christian, you could just be suffering for no reason? Like... Well, even non-Christians, I think, can understand that their suffering can take them out of things that largely don't matter. Um, you know, like, you know, how many stories have you heard, of course, of, you know, some hard, hard-charging, you know, guy looking to gain money and status then he gets cancer or something and he realizes that his family was the greatest, you know, the, was the most important thing all along. Um, his that, that is still kind of a clear picture. Now it doesn't have a, a uh, all sufficiency in God, but what he found out of course, is that his pursuit of status and wealth was vain compared to love, you know, love and relationship. So, um, so it can certainly have that effect as well for a non-Christian, but this is obviously for Christians. Yeah, that's a that's a weird thought, you know. I, you know, you hear about that too. Uh, it's really sad. Sometimes you hear about people that focus all on gaining money or career status, and a lot of times too, they think they're doing it for their family, and then they realize that they haven't spent any time at all with them, don't even know who they are. We've talked about that on here before as well, so that's not really anything new. But yeah, uh, 
you know, nobody, what was it somebody said to me? They're like, nobody uh, lays on their deathbed and says, man, I wish I would have spent more time at work. Yeah, that's I right. I should have yes. gave more time to that corporate yes. job. Yeah. Oh, shucks. Yeah, nobody does that's that. That's right. If you find someone that does that, they're, they're really sick. That's, yeah. that's bad. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so all suffering uh, is how any suffering at all, we can look at it as a way of learning obedience. And Absolutely. So we can go forward in that suffering, what with with the uh, you know joy and, and the peace yeah. of Jesus Christ. Well, that's what James yeah. says: rejoice when you encounter trials of various kinds, because it's going to make you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So you really get to think: the reason why you rejoice in suffering is eventually you're going to be a person who lacks nothing, which is the really for most people's lives that is the point. Like almost every person right now is living to lack nothing, uh, whether that is how they're using their money, how they're trying to order their relationships, uh, what they, you know, how they think about the future. You know, they're thinking no lack, no lack, no lack, no lack. We all do that. Of course we do that. And so right. we, of course, in, you know, in our flesh, we do that by accumulation, right? Like, so the more money, I get the higher status, the more power, whatever, more authority I get, the less I will lack. And there is a truth to that. But uh, in Christ, you have to understand that you do not lack in Christ, period. Therefore, you do not have to live for money, status, possessions, um, you know, those things. Super Bowl victory. So, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, any of that stuff is provided for you in in Christ, but you have to practice learning to live from that because you're all, almost all of your mental and emotional life and will often your soul is given fully towards, um, uh, the no, like no lack from created things. So the things that we're talking about here in Hebrews, he, you know, he's kind of going down the line there and he gets to uh he says about this we have much this is in verse 11 about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of god you need milk not solid food so is this a solid food or is this a milk because it sounds like he's saying it's hard to explain to you because you're not able to take solid food. Mm-hmm. So is that what this is? Is it? Are we? Is, um, is, he, is he jumping into? Yeah, it? I think he actually. So I think he actually is saying the solid food is to be able to understand how the word of God in your life is is a is a food is a power. That would be the solid food that you can get yourself and not be dependent on somebody else to get it for you. Um, the milk, he actually does outline sort of what the milk is in the next paragraph, which is, you know, he basically says, you know, let us move on from, uh, repentance from dead works and the resurrection of the dead and instructions on washings and, um, and in the, uh, he names three more. He says, this will, he said, let's move on from that. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, that's probably, that's the milk. Did you, did you so, mention resurrection, resurrections from the dead? Yeah, he says repentance from dead works, faith in God, instructions on washings, 
But you can read it. What okay. is it? Yeah, so uh, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So he's he's that's he's saying that's the milk. Those are the, that's the milk. Mm-hmm. Like the resurrection from dead and and did he say eternal life? Did I think eternal I judgment? That? Eternal judgment. That, well, I think of it this way: there's so there's six of them, and they kind of are go in twos. So you have repentance from dead works and the um, and faith in God. So we know too that like you know, we are made right with God by faith, and we have to also understand that our works are nothing to God to make us right with God, right? That's how you begin in a relationship with Jesus, you know, and then there's like some, there's two ritual things in there, which would be the laying on of hands and the instructions on washings. It was kind of more of a religious, uh, or how maybe you would get something from God through rituals, like religious rituals. And then the other ones are basically like your future, like constantly speculating and thinking about, you know, the, your future, the, or the judgment and, you know, the resurrection. What's it going to be like with a new body? What's heaven going to be like? Blah, blah, you know, like he's like, he's like, let's move on from talking about this, these three things. He's, and I think what he's actually saying is like, um, we don't always need to be talking about, or I think he's basically saying like, the word of God right now is a power in your life for life right now. And you are meant to be a, so that's actually, and then he actually will go on and say, uh, the land that drinks in the rain for which it has been cultivated and yields its fruit will have a blessing from God. But, uh, those, but the land that doesn't, that bears thistles and, you know, thorns and thistles will be, gathered up and burned <laughs> it's a so <laughs> it's a recurring theme in the bible yeah so basically what he's saying is like he's like okay so that's the milk and uh then like so basically like you are your life right now as a christian should be empowered by the word of god both jesus through the holy spirit and the written word in such a way that it bears fruit in life right now in your relationships in your life it should be bearing fruit and problem with these people he's writing to, I think, is that they're just like, they're uh, around the will of God. I'm sorry, they're around the Word of God, but they're just like not progressing in a way that they understand the Word of God to be a power for fruitfulness in their life. And nothing's coming from all the rain, all the rain that's hitting their, their ground, right? You know, like, it's because they're just like stuck on the beginnings, they're stuck on argument or different sort of religious rituals and their obsession with what's going to happen for them in the future instead of just like what God is doing right now for them to bear fruit right now. And I just want to be clear, like these six things that he lists, they're not bad or false things. They're, they're just the elementary things. Exactly. And he's, he's saying it's time to move on from that. And I, it really makes a lot of sense to me because and it's just a lot of the, I'm going to say like immature Christians that I've encountered, a lot of times that is what they want to talk about is the resurrection of dead or eternal judgment, what's going to be like in heaven, that kind of stuff. And I've all, I, I have always kind of found like, that's really repetitive. <laughs> it's really repetitive. I think yeah. you need to move on from it and, yeah. and, and stop focusing on that because it sounds just to be honest, it sounds childish. 
Well, and it, what, and, and I think that, yes, and that's exactly right. I mean, that's the illustration you use. You are a child. Like, you cannot, you're only getting, like, you're still breastfeeding as an elementary school kid, essentially, right? Like, yeah, I mean, a, like, that was a really yeah, weird so, visual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Man. But it, I think it's actually powerful because it's like, <laughs> that's really the truth. Like, you are a child. Um, and what that means is, is you really cannot, uh, Basically, your Christian faith is something that is not bearing fruit for others. Um, and even though it, and because you have not learned to access the power of the Word of God in your life, you can, and largely you're just dependent on getting it from other people. You need to be able to learn to access it to bear some fruit here now. So it's 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 a little bit so to talk about your immaturity maturity thing like this is a little bit different because some so I've been in churches where the mature people are the most knowledgeable and the most um I would just basically say the most zealous for God and that sometimes can really actually just disguise itself as maturity and not actually be maturity. Um, now, it's certainly not bad to know more and be zealous for God, but that's still not quite yet what he's saying maturity is. Because knowledge can puff up, right? And love builds up. He's basically saying it really is, um, it's it's probably the, the answer to John 15, right? Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Right, so you understand the abiding nature of of walking with Jesus in such a way where He bears much fruit through you, uh, and instead of just like I know the right things to do, I'm very zealous that other people would do it, you know, right. or whatever. Uh, so it can, it it can be a little it's nuanced, uh, I think, because maturity can sometimes just look. Sometimes maturity cannot be fruitfulness. It can actually just be, you know, a lot or, you know, can be zealous for the wrong things. So uh, some people can be stuck here, though, their whole life, can't they? I, I can't imagine that because obviously what we're talking about here isn't a requirement for salvation. But th- there's I mean, there's got to be some people that they'd never move on from those elementary principles. Um. Yeah, if you never learn, well, that's what he says. If you, you're unskilled in the word of righteousness, you do. You're like you're. Uh, you, you can only get it from others. You don't find it. You're not abiding with Jesus yourself. Um, and and you're not trained to discern, and to use your senses that have been trained to discern good and evil. You're always just like constantly needing somebody else to help you. Yeah. I mean, that certainly does seem possible. That, I, yeah, I mean, that they'd just be stuck there. Yeah. Ooh, man. It's so, the breastfeeding senior citizen. <laughs> I'm just giving you more. So, I'm just giving you more uh, horrible. I'm just going to move this on. This horrible, horrible visuals. Uh, <laughs> but for some people, though, that means, uh, you know, that could be their completeness. That could be them complete then. Is that a, is that is that an is that an end spot? I mean, should some people go? Eh, I'm just not going to get past this. You well, I'm saying? That's uh, what... yeah, it's a good question because 
certainly the certainly the church of church is full of all kind you know kinds of people that some who and obviously there's true christians there's people who are uh, confess Christ, but are self-deceived as to their confession and what it is. Um, the writer of Hebrews, I mean, he, and then he immediately says, though, to them after writing this to them, he says, "But uh, I have bet, you know, I am hopeful for better things for you." He's basically saying, uh, uh, "You're not there, but like." This is what could be. It's kind of like I call the Hebrews the uh, basically the driver's ed of the New Testament. It basically is like here's the bad things that can happen, particularly if you go back to the law. If you going, if you think you need to go back to living according to the law, particularly in its priestly function, um, if you think you need to go back to the law, this is the bad consequences, but I have better hopes for you in, you know, and he says, and he says, you know, God's not unjust to overlook the work you've done in the faith. So he, he's not saying the Hebrew, the Hebrews are doing, or the writer to the Hebrews are doing that. He's saying you're in danger of that. If you go back to, uh, having to use the law combined with Jesus, particularly in the, in its like yeah, priestly mode, you know, and sacrifices and washings and all that stuff. To really reach this, though, I want to go back to something you said earlier. Your knowledge, knowledge can puff up, mm-hmm. and so just having knowledge and and all that isn't necessarily, or actually isn't, what we're talking about here, really, because uh, you mentioned it's the uh, it's love, right? Like. Uh, I don't really know how exactly to explain it. I'm going to use a person as an example. Uh, we actually have someone here at this church. I'm not going to say their name because I don't know if they want to be said on the podcast. But I, I told him a joke one time, and I, I like I would actually argue this might be the most he might be the most mature Christian at the church. Okay. Okay. And I told him a joke one time about Calvinism and Arminianism, Arminianism and he was like, "What are those?" <laughs> and I was like, you know, ex- but like, this is a guy like, yeah, yeah, like you would never hear him be like, oh, the resurrection is coming or, oh, we're uh, going to be in heaven. You know, he has just a, such a brilliant love for Jesus and such a strong prayer life. I mean, just like when he, like when, when he prays with you, you're like, oh, that's powerful, you know? Yeah. And I feel like he, he's quite possibly the most mature, but he's not sunk into this theological, yes. you know, Controversies Cal and dumb. debates. I'm going to yeah, call yeah, it okay. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> yeah. when you really compare, that's really what it is. Uh, I think the scripture, I think Paul even talks about that, or at some point, you know, not to get caught up in all of that. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything bad about it, but don't you don't want to sit there and your entire focus be on that knowledge and be mm-hmm. puffed up like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has a love for Jesus that is, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it surpasses anyone else that I've ever met, mm-hmm. you know? Nice. And so that's what I'm really envisioning here as, you know, the solid food state. Not necessarily that you're, you know, the theologian who's studying Greek uh, and speaking in Hebrew, but that you have a strong love for Jesus and, you know, just an excellent relationship with the Holy Spirit and yeah. just God in general, you know? Yeah. So that's really what we're talking about getting to here. Well, the solid food state is, I think the illustration of solid food is not so much that you, the effect would be you are a loving person. 
the solid food itself would be the power of the Word of God in your life, both internally to change you and externally to change others around you through the work of the Holy Spirit. That would be fruit. Um, but it is the word. The solid fruit is the word. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. Like, yeah I guess like. But the effect would, would be would be someone who loves, abides. Yeah. Fruit. It's the yeah all the fruit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. It, it's not just like this guy can educate you. Yes. You know. Yes. And yeah. and I guess even to the reader the or the writer Hebrew says it's actually someone who can discern good and evil. Which is hard to, it's hard to understand, uh, I think. You know, it just is, um, but that is like one of the, the major effects, right? Where, and he, you know, he might be a person that would be like, I just discern that like getting into theological controversies is like stupidity. You know, like it just right. is a waste of time. And that's partially to be like, that's part of what that would be as somebody who understands the power of the of the word the, of abiding and word yeah. and all that, you know. I think so. It's really interesting. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really like yeah. It's trying weird. to get to the right point. I think my thought on solid food has always been the, you know, the theological the the complex theological concepts <clears throat> being able to you know rattle off the bible verses and and you know and yeah like a, a bit of that you know discerning you know what is good and what is wrong all that kind of fun stuff but to really look at it from a perspective that what the end result for you should be is not not the the ben shapiro of christianity yeah you know, it's the uh the Billy Graham of Christianity, right? Like, <laughs> well, it's so interesting. You're right. Dude, I think that's such a good point because I think anytime this chapter is often brought up, it's it's brought up as someone who like doesn't who doesn't really care to know more. Um you know, you, there's lots of people who confess Christ that like they're just they don't have a hunger for the word. They don't they don't have they don't care really to seek out the will of God, to pray, to, you know, there's just people that, like, you can just tell there's, like, very little there. No Every desire. church has somebody or many people that, like, confess Christ, but there's just very little spiritual life there. And a lot of people get frustrated with that where they have a zeal or they, you know, they want them to know something or whatever, and then they'll just say, you're just stuck on milk, you know, and that kind of thing. And, uh, and you should go on to the solid food and, but yeah, if you don't have a good definition of what the solid food is and what it produces, um, but it usually does kind of like default to a, I know a lot of stuff about the Bible and that means that would be the solid food, which it's not. Um, but certainly somebody who could be eating solid food would of course grow, you know, immensely in the knowledge of the written word. So. So I got two things that I'm I'm gonna bring up here real quick. One of them I just wanna I just wanna bring it up because I really liked what you said. Uh, you said that the word of God is better than skyline dip. And oh, let's that's, go. That's saying something, man. Dude, that is really because saying something. Skyline dip is the bomb. Okay? It is. You're you right. got something better than skyline dip. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I want some. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and if you've never had skyline dip, like, you're totally missing out. Like, you know what? Actually, yeah. like, skyline dip during Bible study would probably be. <laughs> that's a the combined power. 
Like you want to really get people into the word of God. Yes, through the spirit skyline dip down and, and straight to the bathroom. You know, <laughs> <this> is, <laughs> skyline dip is amazing. I don't care. You know, that's, that's hilarious. And and so when you got something better than skyline dip, like I said, that's that's amazing. You, yes. I don't think there's anything better than skyline dip unless it comes from God. You know, <laughs> like, like it gotta, can only be the source be the of word God. of God. You know, like yeah. it's the only thing that could be better. Uh, but I did want to talk about, uh, you know, we have even like pastors that get stuck on the milk. Mm-hmm. And so with this, in this conversation that we're going with, you know, that it's not just this knowledge, you know what I'm saying? But also if you have a congregation that gets stuck in this, these, you know, those six things that Hebrews just listed out there, uh, the washing of hands and all that stuff, you know, whatever it is, uh, how exactly do you teach this? Because I, I don't want to I don't want to just like blame the pastor, you know, and be like, he's not giving us people solid food because the guy in Hebrews is even like this is difficult because you're not where you're supposed to be. He's the teacher, you know. So the question is then for you know anyone that's leading a Bible study or who is a pastor, especially a pastor of a small church or something, they're, they're encountering this, this, uh, you know, a number of people who are on you know, still breastfeeding in elementary school, as you would mm-hmm. call it. Yep. What can you do as a leader in the church to help people along with that without calling them dull of hearing? I don't know. Yes, <laughs> don't you know. can call them dull I mean, of hearing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's totally fine to resort. do. I yes. Mean, is, you know. <laughs> I mean, for me, where you know, I'm, you know, I feel like as a, a pastor, as a preacher, you know, I'm, I'm giving them the word of God in a way that is coming to me from the Holy spirit that I'm trusting from that is from the Holy spirit in a way that I can actually see the effects of it on people at faith. Right. You they can, and, and, and they have lots of different ways to articulate it to me, but like, you know, I, when I see life and joy and strength and stuff coming from the sermons I'm giving, you know, um, you know, I know it's because God gave me the, uh, not just the Bible to like riff on. It actually is like, these are the actual thing. I'm teaching you what this means. And I'm actually probably even ordering the words in your mind in such a way that they understand that this is, that this is power and vitality. Right. And that's kind of like, that is milk. I think that that is really milk because I'm giving it to you. And that's good. Okay. You know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what is wrong with that is then if you don't throughout the week say, if you don't really abide with Jesus, you know, like you're not, you're not thinking, you're not setting your minds on things of God. You're not um, getting in the word yourself each day. You're not, um, you know, making whatever effort you can make to have some sort of prayer, like talking to God and even trying to just, discern your thoughts and your own inner being, you know, of what God might be leading you in. If you don't do that, like you are fully dependent on me and your YouTubes or your podcasts or whatever to get. And again, nothing that's wrong, nothing's bad, but encounter with God through his word is the thing, particularly in a time where you're abiding with him you know, alone, you know, 
Um, like Matthew six says, go into your closet and pray in secret. You know, he's there, right? He, he who is in secret will reward you. That's that encounter with God like that is, is power. It is vitality. It is clarity. It is strength. It is clarifying. It is, it is all of those things. And that's the solid food. And that's the kind of stuff that like, um, and then that you get that kind of power through the word of God, uh, you're, you then bear fruit in your day, right? In your relationships, um, and all, you know, all different ways, right? And that's, but, and I think that's really kind of what God's saying is like, I want to empower you. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, in such a way then where the effect on all the people around you is a little bit of kingdom come, you know? And so, um, in all different ways that can manifest, you know, that can miraculous, that can manifest in very big, spectacular, miraculous ways. More often than not, it's just probably little acts of love and kindness and service and things like that, which go a long way. So that's the solid food is to see that the word of God is a word of God is a food. The will of God doing the will of God that you got from the word of God is a food, just like Jesus says. You know, at the woman on the well, my food is to the will of him who sent me. You know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So right. you said the word of God is food and the will of God, which you get from the word of God is also food. Yes. Okay. Crazy. Sure yes, say sorry. that out loud again. Yeah, I'm just like, like rattling these things up. Like, uh, you just said will and word like three times there. And it was, yeah. it was a little confusing, I think, for you know listening to it quickly. Yeah. So. I'll give you an illustration from somebody in our church who is like a very, like, or was a new Christian a little, not too long ago. They basically, you know, were hearing my sermons and loving them, even though they never really had been a person that had like gone to church much at all or whatever. Um, but then just as they were like going about their week, you know, um, they just became more and more, um, uh, you know, conscious of, of having to forgive somebody that, that really, really harmed them. Like, and we're not talking like, um, just like offended them. We're talking about, they actually did significant harm and they had been carrying unforgiveness and bitterness for a long time. And it just became more and more real in their heart and their mind as they went out there weeks that they needed to forgive. And so um, finally, they just kind of came to a point where they got alone before work one day and just said, this is the last thing I want to do, Lord, but I know you want me to forgive them. So I just forgive them and you need to help me forgive them whenever I get angry about it again or whatever. And uh, and that person came away from that, uh, just so, uh, overjoyed. There's a, you know, like, you know, initially right after that, there was the kind of a lightness, but then as days and some of the days went on, just so much joy flooded into their heart. Well, what was that? Well, that's the power of the word of God. It's being skilled in the word, basically to know that the word of God, Jesus is working through his written word that we know that we are to forgive that is giving strength, that's giving vitality, that's giving, that they were eating of the solid food in and of themselves because they 
heard the will of God, you need to forgive, and they obeyed it. And that was food and strength, and that was, you know, that was um, the will of God through the Word of God. And so, and that happens for a lot of us, right? Like, you know, we, I think we were all of, uh, all Christians can kind of point to uh, many things like that. Um, but we just never, we're not skilled enough in it sometimes to like really articulate it, which I think the writer of Hebrews does a, does a good job in Hebrews 5 to letting us know a little bit of how that works. So, so the last thing real quick here, because just like with that, uh, you talked about, First off, this just totally stinks that we can't just hook up to a machine. You mentioned you mentioned the Matrix. I was like, Man, it's really yeah. Christmas age here. Uh, yeah, we could just hook up into the Matrix and and download a bunch of information. Uh, and I wrote down that you know this like like everything this requires practice. Yes. And <clears throat> I think that's something really missing in society sometimes because I I see people try something once. And they don't do like excellent at it, and they're like, oh, "I'm, I'm never doing that again." And yeah. I'm like, "Really? Like you got to shoot the basketball more than three times <laughs> to get good at it, man? Yeah. Like seriously? Like, yeah, come on, I'm not gonna go into all that." Uh, but so this requires practice, like anything else, and it requires us to be, um, uh, not exact. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, we're, we have to be intentional. We have to be mm-hmm. intentional about what we're doing here. Yep. Uh, whether that be discern, looking for or discerning or following the will of God, practicing whatever it is we're supposed to be doing uh, in regards to the will of God and, and to be practicing uh, within the word of God, that this is all, this is all a, a practice thing. And you're not going to like, you're not just going to go like one day, like, all right, God, uh, I'm here for it give it to you know yeah. what i'm saying and it's going to be like it's not how it's going to happen yeah. and i want to go back to that person you were talking about because at first they were like there was there was joy but mm-hmm. as the weeks went on you said there was more mm-hmm. that's because they were putting into practice the will of god yeah they were obeying their life they were yeah. in obedience and that took practice mm-hmm. and they saw an ever increasing return of joy mm-hmm. and so that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? And yep. this all just looks like obedience. Mm-hmm. So you just like listen. Jesus, right? You how did listen. he get? How did he get perfected? You got to listen to all yep. the sermons in this podcast. Figure out how <laughs> to figure out the word of the will of God through the word of God. Yeah, and practice that every day. Yeah, it's not difficult at all. <laughs> just roll with it, guys. Well, that's why I think uh, you know a a daily time where you're reading the Bible and then reflecting on it in a way, what did I just read? Like, what did I learn about God in what I just read or something? Like today, so this morning I read Matthew 28, the you know, in my Bible reading plan, which has um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which is very famous. All authority on heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you all, or teaching them to obey all things I've commanded, and and I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And you know, of course, I've like read that a jillion times or whatever. But like, uh, man, it just like today, what stuck out was all authority on heaven and earth has begin has been given to me. It just like 
this was like, it really just like kind of stuck as a splinter in my brain. And by practice, I started to know that like, oh, when something like kind of sticks out to me like that, it's God. It's God saying, I want you to think on this. I want you to really meditate on this. I want you to like think of what that means that um, that's real in your life. You know, what are the problems in your life you think might actually have authority over me? You know, like what, you know, what do you think is like the things that are too difficult for me to, you know, so, you know, just kind of started thinking about it. Right. And like the more I, and I was, you know, I always encourage everybody to have pen and paper there just to like jot down your thoughts as you're kind of like thinking them. It helps, you know, kind of clarify, I think. Yeah. And, you know, as I thought about it, the more overall I could just feel, uh, the, confidence the the joy the strength i was eating i mean in a, in a way right I, that's true I, I think that actually is a great way to say it. i think I was, I was i was like eating on this certain thing that god had put into my mind last year when i read it i probably didn't even think twice about all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me you know it's probably it is like god didn't give it to me then you know so he gave it to me now so Anyway, it's that's just like that. Like, and that's as easy as eating or sleeping. You know, I think it's just, but you got to obviously like put it into a rhythm of your day. Um, but once you start to get it, like you don't, it, it's hard, it, it's hard to like miss because you're like, oh, I need this. I can't live by bread alone. You know, like, it's like one, it's just like, you know, whatever, like people who don't work out, but then work out for three weeks in a row or something. And then they get to a place where it's like, I don't even want to miss this anymore, you know, because just like I feel so much better than I used to. It's very similar. But uh, but that's how you just learn how the word of God comes to you, how it empowers you. And yeah, that's your then you get to be a person that is quite perfect and complete.